0: Hey tubes, it's Claire here. I have been thinking about something that I would love to get your thoughts on. Is sustainable fashion only for rich people? Can't wait to get your thoughts on this, guys. Bye. Hey, 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 hey,
1: hey, hey. hey tubes! Welcome to Hey Tubes, this wonderful podcast where we're figuring out can we save the planet but make it fashion. We are your hosts and our names are Jess and Steph. Some fun facts about us. We are sisters, not twins, but we look like twins. And we also are the founders of this amazing, environmentally friendly, animal friendly, everybody friendly footwear brand called Tubes.
2: And today on this show, the question we're going to be answering is, is sustainable fashion only for rich people? I love how bold this question is. And it's only our second episode. So it's just like we're really powering through it. And I'm really here for it.
3: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
2: And I feel like it's a good place to start by like acknowledging our own privilege, right? Like we have always been able to afford clothes that we need. We've never struggled in any way. So like I would say that we fit into this category where sustainable fashion does feel like it's for us. I am able to buy a $200 jumper if I want and need to. So just want to own that right here and now that I fall into that category.
1: Yes, I totally agree and I think it's something that is really important to be aware of when we're having these kinds of conversations that it's not just about our own experience and I too have always been able to buy whatever I wanted within reason. And so if I was just on my own thinking about what's sustainable, I might not have considered other people's perspectives in that. I might've been like, yep, let's make it all premium and people will buy it. And this will be the most sustainable thing possible. But that's why it's so important to have different voices and different opinions and different points of view on all these conversations. Because when I look at it on a larger scale, not everybody can afford what I can afford. And the thing, is about sustainability, we need everybody to be able to afford it in order for it to be sustainable for the planet. So I think it's a really, really important question and it's something we always consider at Tubes. So when we first launched Tubes five and a half years ago, this was a really important part of the discussion for us because we were like, we want these to be accessible for everybody. It wasn't about sustainability at that point, but we were just like, What kind of a brand do we want to create? We want this brand to be super inclusive, not exclusive because that's what the sister brand, how to live, the blog that we'd built was all about really including people in fashion like we talked about in episode one. And so we really wanted these shoes to be accessible to everybody, but we didn't really think that through that well. And so we priced them literally. I'm not exaggerating here. Just back me up. We priced them on gut and gut alone.
2: Yeah, we didn't even know what the shoes were going to cost to make – let alone bring them here on a boat and send them to our customers before we had decided how much we wanted to sell them for. Like that's how little we had thought it through.
1: Let alone create any fancy spreadsheets with like Excel equations and like all that jazz that we have going on nowadays. We didn't even know that existed. We were just like, yeah, no, these mm, Reiki, hover hands over them. These feel like they should be approximately $59. And these higher ones, they should be $79. And those are our original price points. And it literally reminds me of when I was at school and doing a project and just like creating fake numbers for things.
2: Yes, totally. Well, and now it's been really interesting as well to go on this journey of trying to bring in more environmentally focused practices into our business and realizing that they are really expensive. Like what's on the market and available to us right now as a brand is expensive And so something really interesting that I learned maybe at the beginning of last year, I did this really great short course with the London College of Fashion, which was on sustainable fashion, but it was actually looking specifically at the luxury sector. So like Louis Vuitton and Dior and Prada and that kind of vibe. It was really, really great and it was actually a free course, so we'll add the link to it in the show notes if anyone wants to go and do it. Highly, highly recommend. But what they were talking about in the course is how there's like this misconception around luxury goods and how they are more sustainable than what we find on the high street or at H&M or Topshop or what have you. And that in actual fact, a lot of the time they are as bad, they're contributing to the climate crisis as much as these cheaper products. And I just found that so interesting because I definitely equate price point to sustainability, like in some weird way where I'm like, oh, that costs $1,000. It must be better for the environment than that thing that costs $50. But in actual fact, they were totally debunking that.
1: Oh my God, same. I feel like we all do that.
2: Yeah, they were totally debunking that and being like, no, no, you guys, that is actually not true. So I thought that that was interesting because I feel like to bring it back to the question, is sustainable fashion for rich people? When I think of rich people, the ultimate, ultimate wealthy, I think of luxury goods. And in actual fact, luxury goods are not better for the environment than what we are seeing on the high street, which is just an interesting piece of that puzzle.
1: That is so interesting. And I feel like the thing is, People are going to buy luxury and I think I've been shopping lately for furniture for my house that I just moved into, which is so much fun and I've actually been buying a lot of stuff on Facebook marketplace and that seems like a really sustainable option to be buying something that's already in circulation. But I've been looking for furniture brands and homewares brands that are specifically more sustainable or more environmental options. And something that somebody recommended to me was Jardin. And they laughed when they said it because they were like, if you can afford it, Jardin is this incredible homewares and furniture store, but it's exorbitantly expensive. And they have a really big focus on the environment and sustainability, which I didn't realize. And so I was like, that's awesome that People who are buying a $10,000 couch have an option to buy something that is more environmentally friendly. Like, I think people are going to be buying at Louis Vuitton and Dior and, and those kind of fashion houses. So, we need them to have environmental options or to move totally towards sustainability. But I also think that we need accessibility at all the other price points as well. So for me, when we talk about, oh, but sustainable is so expensive and that's not sustainable because people can't buy it at those price points, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that's exclusivity and that's probably another issue in itself that we make expensive things equal success and happiness and exclusive is better. I feel like that's another issue for another day that I would love to chat about on this podcast, but I feel like sustainable fashion like furniture needs to be for everybody. And I think that we're seeing more and more options at all the different tiers, which is really, really exciting.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think that this goes back to the idea of sustainable fashion right that term is in our question today which i don't even know if sustainable fashion exists but that's for another day as well but i think for me sustainable means accessible and we can't actually have sustainable unless it is accessible so i think that no sustainable fashion is not only for rich people because fashion that's only for rich people is not accessible making it not sustainable
1: I feel like it's almost a dangerous belief because I feel like if people can't afford to buy these really expensive things that are more sustainable or calling themselves sustainable, and they're like, oh, well, I can't afford that, so I'm going to go shop at Kmart – It's difficult because I understand that some people need to shop at Kmart for price point, but also Kmart's doing really bad things for the environment. So I think that you and I could spin out about this forever here and just go back and forth. We could, but I think this would be the perfect, perfect time to phone a friend. And this is our very first phone a friend on this podcast. We are so, so excited about it. So today we're going to be phoning Maggie Zhao to get her opinion on this topic. Maggie is a writer and producer at Refinery29 Australia and she's also the co-host of the podcast Culture Club and she has some incredible opinions on this topic. She's also super, super cool and you have to check out her Insta at Yeah Mags because we always get some serious, serious fashion inspo from her and especially love to sneakily see. Sometimes she's wearing tubes. So let's give Maggie a call.
2: Hey Maggie, it's Jess and Steph here. Hello, how are you two going today? Very excited that this is actually our second episode and you're our very first friend that we have phoned. Shut up. I am very honored. Thank you for calling me. (laughs) Amazing. So, we're going to dive straight into it and just hit you with like the hardest question that there are so many layers to answer. But we want to know what is your opinion? Is sustainable fashion
0: only for rich people? I'll start with the short answer no. Sustainability is definitely not just for rich people. So, looking at myself and people in my life, so I'm Chinese, haven't grown up with a super wealthy background or anything. And Sustainability is for me as well. So, for instance, I was looking at my mum the other day who's making her own red food dye from beetroot. And in our family, every single clothing item is used until it literally perishes in your hands. You know, we'll wear items out and then when they are no longer wearable we'll repair them or we'll wear them as pajamas and then at the end of its life we use them as cleaning cloths. It's such a mindset that embraces sustainability. I think that sustainability is for everybody to embrace. It is a mindset shift, it is conscious decision making and I think those are values that everybody can kind of take on board regardless of financial standing.
2: Mm, I think what you've touched on there is really important and kind of goes to this definition of what we are calling sustainable right now. Because I think when I think of sustainable fashion, I think of Stella McCartney, you know, I think of mycelium mushrooms or whatever the hell you pronounce that, you know, like these really premium things that are so innovative and so fresh and you need a bazillion dollars to afford. But you're right, like at the purest form, what is sustainable is what is best for our planet. And all of those things that you're speaking about remind me of more about how the world used to live, like before everything came so fast. And that is way more sustainable than the way that most people live right now.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, I've, you know, I'm 22 years old, so I haven't been around that long, but I've grown up with this fast fashion manufacturing, always there. And now we're seeing faster than fast fashion, ultra fast fashion stores like Shein and Zaffle and what have you. And it's like, oh, let's take a step back where my parents used to make their own clothes. That wasn't that long ago. They'd like to remind me. So it's so interesting to see how it's changed.
1: Speaking of those kind of, you know, bigger fast fashion brands who we really know are being put on the no list when it comes to sustainability right now. And there's a lot of shaming around people potentially shopping there, but there's also this issue of people might not be able to afford to shop at the more premium Stella McCartneys or the more premium sustainable brands. So, Is this kind of making them feel guilty? And is it
0: ever okay to buy that fast fashion? Oh, such a good point. So I was so put off the sustainability movement for years. I felt very alienated, very excluded. So I was so alienated by these conversations because there is so much guilt thrown around. Like you're a bad person if you buy fast fashion and it's, it's a hard pill to swallow, right? But I do think there is a space for fast fashion. I do think we can buy fast fashion more sustainably because it needs to be an option because for some it is potentially all they can afford sustainably, but also it is usually an option that is more size inclusive. And we're also, it's trendy. It's people are drawn to it for a reason. We can't deny that fashion is beautiful. And some people, you know, they want in on the action.
1: Yeah, it's so true. It's like, I think that's why we can't excuse fast fashion brands. And if we exclude them from the conversation altogether, then people are still going to keep buying them and they're still going to be doing things the way that they were always doing things. So it's kind of an important piece of it that we need to put pressure on them as well to move more into sustainability so that people who do need that as an option for affordability or people who aren't going to listen and are going to buy it anyway are still getting a more sustainable
0: option. For me, I would say it's, it's encouraging people who are buying fast fashion and who need to buy fast fashion to just rethink the purchases and the necessity of it all. So go ahead. If you typically, I guess, buy like four new tops per month, you might sit down with yourself and be like, oh, do I actually need four this month? Or maybe that's two. And that small step, I think is a step in a better direction.
2: Yeah. And you touched on there as well, like size inclusivity. And I feel like just to also use this podcast to draw the curtain back on like what that looks like for a brand internally, like at Tubes, we try to be really inclusive of everybody. And we've actually just increased our size range, three sizes. Every time we add a new size, it costs us $1,500. So like if we're going to add three sizes to our size curve, It actually costs us so much money. So it is really interesting then. I know it's like tempting to look at small brands and be like, why aren't you doing more? Why aren't you doing this? And I totally get it. But then from a small brand's perspective, it's really hard to keep up. And I think that that's why if you are gonna buy fashion from these fast fashion brands, it's important to demand the things that you want to see like size inclusivity because they're the ones that can actually afford to do it. Or like super sustainable, like new mushrooms and whatever, they can afford to buy it. Like they're the ones that should be buying into this stuff first and foremost. Like we just, we want it all, but we just can't (laughs) do it all. Like there's
0: nothing to fund it. Mm, That is such a good point. And then it's so interesting seeing some of these massive fast fashion brands who actually have really great research and development departments in their company because you're right. They have the money to be able to do this and to be able to research and Try new innovative materials and everything. So yeah, we can apply the pressure there. That's a good point. Well, so I guess coming back to like this accessibility
2: thing that we've loosely touched on and actually before we gave you a call, Maggie, we were talking a lot about accessibility and how it kind of goes hand in hand with sustainability. So I think right now, as we've talked about, When I think of sustainable fashion, like I think of the Stella McCartneys of the world where it costs, I don't even know how much, I'm gonna say like $1,000 per piece or whatever it is. And like 99 point whatever percent of the population like actually can't afford to buy that. And so like, can these fashion companies call their solutions sustainable if no one can actually afford them? Because are they really pushing the needle in terms of the- Climate crisis and the fashion industry?
0: It's a tough one, isn't it? I am so glad we're talking about this because sustainability has so many definitions. I would say there's not one clear cut definition that encapsulates it all. And while typically we think of the environment when it comes to sustainability, the word sustainable kind of just relates to longevity and that can be longevity in terms of yes the environment but also protecting workers and also economically as well so for business to be able to push the needle that all counts it's a hard one because Is there even a perfect brand that does that all? Like that is a lot to be asking for someone and I'm not going to negate this great sustainable brand if they still do have a high price point and they don't cater for everyone because that perfect brand will never exist. And I think if we keep holding brands to a really unrealistic standard, it's probably helping no one. And I think as well, when
1: you're looking at the Jardins and the Stella McCartneys of the world and they're at these really premium price points, They're aspirational for people. So even though people can't afford them, I think there is something to those luxury brands at the top doing that. And then people start to not only want aesthetically what people are buying at those price points, but also want the lifestyle of it. And so if rich people are going out and making sustainability cool, well, that can only have a positive flow on effect for everybody else where we can use this like kind of terrible capitalistic mentality where we want what the rich people have and we can kind of harness the power of it to get people
0: to actually want what they have, which is being more environmentally conscious. That is so true. I hadn't thought about it in that way because we will always look up to icons and celebrities. That is something that's so ingrained into our culture. That's something I do. I love pop culture as well. And the fact is that they will always be flaunting these brands and these aspirational lifestyles. So you're right. If they are wearing sustainable gear and sustainable brands, that is only a win. That is so nice. I hope that's like the norm one day.
1: Yeah. This is why we pose these questions because we're like, we don't actually have answers for them in mind and let's go with it. And, you know, maybe we're going to end up calling out luxury brands or maybe we're going to end up celebrating them. So at Tubes, when we made an environmental pivot, Just over a year ago now, we made the decision to stop discounting because we felt like by discounting, by putting things on sale, we were kind of saying to people, quick, buy now. We were using this messaging that we really didn't agree with. We want people to be making thoughtful purchases, not just feeling like they need this thing because it's at a really cheap price. But then I guess the other side to that is we have had some feedback from people who have been like, well, I need to shop at a discount. I can't afford to shop at full price. So I guess the question here is, do you think there's a mentality shift that needs to take place where we need to recognize that if we bought less stuff, we wouldn't have to be buying sale? Or is this a really privileged attitude that we're having and some people do need to be buying at discount?
0: Let's talk about this. So I want to first start off by saying, I can't believe it. I used to think $20 for a t-shirt was so expensive. I was like, how dare they? (laughs) How dare they charge $20 for a t-shirt? I'm used to buying it from the $5 sale rack, right? So, um, just to keep calling myself out here, yeah, we were... (laughs) Yeah, I love that. There's so much honesty in that. I'm obsessed. Oh, well, yeah, it's true. And I'm not going to hide it. And, you know, I did come from a very, very frugal household who didn't really buy new clothes often. So, making that shift in my head that was, no, fashion should actually be expensive. It should actually cost way more than... When I walk down to the local shops, you know, it should be expensive. That was a really big shift in my head that I had to make and it's something that I'm still grappling with today and I'm very lucky because I am in the fortunate position of being able to save that and able to save up for items that I really want but I just think that clothes should be something that we invest in and it's hard because I'm trying to be very careful with my words because I understand it's a privileged position to um to be able to do this But I think that's a shift. So I'm now someone who used to think that $20 was too expensive for a t-shirt and now I would gladly, but also hesitantly buy a plain t-shirt for $200 and I will save that save up for that for months or weeks right and for me that is so much more fulfilling because I know it will have a longer lifespan in my wardrobe I'll care for it more I'll treasure it more and it's a purchase that like you're talking about with that kind of sale mentality it's the opposite I have saved for this so this is valuable to me like if you were to buy an expensive piece of furniture or a present for somebody it's now not some disposable product not me going to the supermarket and picking out a snack. I think fast fashion kind of needs to carry the status of fast food in a a way. I think when we think fast food, it's like, oh, it's cheap. It's not very good. And then it's gone in five minutes. Fast fashion's the same, but we just don't think of it in that way. Okay. I'm obsessed with
2: so much of what you just said. So immediately I was like, oh, there's an education piece missing around this, right? Like, because you say you're, you were somebody who used to look at a $20 T-shirt and you were like, how the hell are they charging me this? This is a rip off, right? I'm getting ripped off. But the reality of it is once you started to look into it, I'm assuming, same with me, like you started to see like, oh, if I want the workers who actually made this T-shirt to be paid a living wage, like something that's really fair, then I know I have to pay a little bit more. And like there are all these layers that go into our clothing that we don't see when we pick up a garment in a store and we just think like, oh, this is worth that because I think that or because culturally that's what I've been trained to believe. I feel like we just have so much to learn and we're only like on this, very initial journey of what we're about to uncover about fashion because even there's this like carbon calculator that you can do that's like what's the actual cost of my garment and I think like I played with it a little bit on there and it was like I'm going to like butcher this, but something that I had bought for like, let's say $150, I think it said that like its actual cost to the planet was like $750, taking into account everything. So there's like just so much more that we need to be thinking about. Obviously, I didn't want to pay $750 for it. That's astronomical, but it, it's the reality of
0: what we are doing to the environment and how costly it is. And just to add on to that point as well, because I think sometimes when you are in that fast fashion cycle um, in your shopping habits, you actually don't realize how much you've spent. So for instance, the average person, this is from a 2018 report, buys 68 new items per year. That's so much. And I was recently talking to a slow fashion advocate, Aja Barber, who's from the UK, who's incredible. And she admitted to me that once, when she was buying fast fashion, she found out that in one year, she spent 10% of her paycheck just to one fast fashion brand, right? And it just adds up. It's so
1: interesting the way it really is a mentality shift because it's like when you talked about those $20 T-shirts that you used to think were expensive, but let's say you were going to get... $10, $20 10 $20 t-shirts from this fast fashion brand versus this one beautiful $200 t-shirt that you're really going to love and cherish and wear a lot it's where we also bring into the conversation normalizing the rewear and you know all of these things but it, it's such a mentality shift for people that rather than going out and buy by buying at these really cheap price points buy you can afford these beautiful things if you saved up that money and put them towards things that are really going to last
2: Yes. I just love everything that's being raised in this conversation. Okay. So we wanted to ask you, what are some tips for environmentally conscious shopping
0: on a budget? my favorite, my favorite question. So I've got some tips where people don't even have to spend any money, which like is great. So one of the founders of Fashion Revolution has this great quote that I butcher a bit, but it is something along the lines of the most sustainable garment is the one already in your wardrobe. So my first step and advice to people who are interested in sustainability, but don't know where to start is literally just go to your bedroom and (laughs) look at your clothes that you wear. And there's a few things that we can do. We can encourage rewearing clothes and normalizing that. We can encourage experimentation. There are so many ways to wear one garment. And I think when you kind of bring in that playfulness and fashion, it just makes it all the more fun. Another thing I would say is just to take care of the garments that you own. So that means reading the cleaning label and making sure you're treating them properly, not overwashing them and actually seeing how they need to be treated to extend the longevity of it. Like I have quite a few fast fashion items that are like well over five years old and they're still living a life in my wardrobe. So yeah, use what you already own. That's number one. Another thing is I do love op shopping. I would say when I do purchase clothing, it is usually secondhand. I also do want to acknowledge that there is privilege tied with that. So for instance, um, size inclusivity, it doesn't always cater to all sizes. And also there needs to be time privilege associated with op shopping. Because, you know, you sometimes have to spend hours trawling through racks. And I'm not going to expect a single mum of four trying to shop for her four different kids at an op shop because that would take a long time. So it's not for everybody, but op shopping is super fun as well. Awesome, Maggie. Well, thank you so much. It's been so lovely to chat to you. We've learned so, so
2: much and we'll see you later. Thank you. Feel free to give me a buzz anytime. Oh my God. We're totally going to take you up on that. (laughs) Bye.
3: Bye. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Oh, so many interesting learnings there from Maggie. And I love that I think we can all agree that we have now concluded that no, sustainable fashion is not only for rich people.
2: Tick, done. That feels productive. Like we've had a very productive morning. So... Now it's time to get into another segment called Bye Bye Bye. The way that it works is that rather than heroing our purchases for the week, like you might see on a shopping haul on TikTok or on a blog, we actually talk about the purchases that we were looking at making and then decided not to, and then we celebrate ourselves for not making the purchase.
1: Yep, we're saying bye-bye to the bye. Let's do it.
2: Okay, so this week I actually had an interesting thing happen. So I wanted to buy a lamp for my bedroom. I've actually never had a bedside lamp where I live, which I've, I've lived there for about five years, but I don't know why. I just never got around to buying one. I do want one though.
1: Oh, it is a game changer and you're a reader. You love to read books. You are going to love a bedside lamp.
2: Oh, can I tell you? I read with an itty bitty light like I'm a child.
1: No, stop it. Oh my God. I remember I used to read Goosebumps books with itty bitty light.
2: Yeah, it's like one of those ones, like the old school that connect to your book.
1: (gasps) Wait, that needs its own little moment right there. That is some sustainable shopping. Have you had that since you were five years old?
2: No, I bought it like three years ago when I couldn't decide on a bedside lamp. (laughs) (laughs) The battery always dies. So it's probably not that sustainable because I have to replace it all the time. But anyway, so I finally decided, I found a bedside lamp that I really liked. I'm gonna buy it. I'm so excited. This is a great day. And then I'm just like, what else does this website have to offer me? And it had like some really cute candlestick holders. And lately I've been like putting candlesticks in wine bottles and alcohol bottles in my house.
1: Ooh, I love it. Very rustic of you.
2: Well, Elliot turned around and was like, this isn't the aesthetic of you. Like this is too rustic for you. Like you're very fancy. You should buy some like fancy candlestick holders.
1: Okay, but I'm going to I'm gonna steal that for Byron Bay because I feel like the rustic vibe works well here.
2: Okay, amazing. So anyway, so I had his voice in my head teasing me about this new thing that I was doing. So I saw these really pretty like gold candlestick holders and I was like, perfect, I'm gonna buy them. They were like $60. So I put them in my cart, got to the cart, to the checkout page. And I just looked at these candlestick holders and I was like, do I need these? No, I don't. There are bottles at my house that are doing a perfect job right now. I don't need to buy these. I came to buy a lamp and I'm being tricked into buying candlestick holders. I don't need them. I exited them. I bought my lamp. I haven't thought twice about it. I said bye-bye to that buy. Give me the celebration. yeah you did love that for you so
1: good I can I tell you what else (laughs) I feel like with adding to cart in that way because I've been doing that a lot lately and then I'll get to the cart and I'll be like wait I feel like all purchases need a like hold for 24 hours or 48 hours before you can actually buy like cart should have this hold because so many times I'll just add while I'm shopping because it'll feel shiny and I'll come back the next day and I'll be like no what was I thinking there
2: Yes, totally. Like brands wouldn't like it, but we would. And at Tubes, we love things that brands don't like. So there you go.
1: Yeah. We've actually talked about doing that with Tubes that we could have like a function where we email people 24 or 48 hours after their purchase to be like, do you really want this? And then we thought we'd get a lot of backlash from people being like, have you not sent my order out yet? So I don't think it'll work for the moment. So my bye-bye-bye for this week is... I was out homeware shopping. I needed some new stuff for my house and I wasn't having much luck. And I'd been to a few stores and I just wasn't finding anything. But I was having that feeling where I was ready to buy something, but I didn't like anything. And one of the homeware stores had this rack of clothing and I started to look through it because I was like, need to find something to buy, need that buyer's high. And I found this white play suit that was pretty cute. I mean, it wasn't as cute as I wanted it to be, but I was just so in the mood for buying something. And so I was tossing it up and then I was like, you know what, Stephanie, you're being ridiculous. A, I already have similar things in my wardrobe. B, it's not even that nice. And C, I don't need to buy anything today. So I put it back and I said
2: goodbye. Okay, amazing. Oh, that's a good bye-bye-bye. See ya. See ya later, bye. Okay. Well, that is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you liked our second episode. Please, if you did, click subscribe and leave us a review. We love to hear from you. And if you don't know already, we do have this awesome Facebook community that we are building. Come and play with us over there. It's called Tubes, a of community. Thanks so much. We'll see you next Monday. Can't wait. Bye-bye now. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hey, 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 hey. Thank you so much to our podcast producer, Amelia Navasquez, our podcast coordinator, Bianca Whitner, and a big thank you to King Cora and Lily3PO for creating our incredible theme song.
1: We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record the Boonwurrung, Boonwarang and Wurundjeri Wurwurrung peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nation and the Arakwal people of the Bundjalung Nation. We pay respects to their elders past, present, and emerging.